0: joining us today for the WAM Strategic Value Q&A webinar. As you know, this is your company, and we're pleased to provide you with this opportunity uh, to ask us any questions you want. And look, thank you very much, everyone, for the questions that have been sent in. Some really good questions, uh, and and a number of them. Uh, Today, I'm joined with investment specialist Marty McCarthy, who um, helps work on this portfolio with myself. Uh, and during the webinar today, we really just want to talk about the various positions in the portfolio, um, you know, in terms of what the company's plans are, uh, dividends, franking, profit reserves, the ability to pay dividends, um, when it'll be trading at a premium to NTA, uh, et cetera. Now, in terms of a lot of those questions, uh, luckily, we've got our corporate affairs advisor, Zoe Landry. And she'll be asking, um, directing the questions to Marty or myself. Um, So please, if you've still got questions, please send them in. Uh, In terms of just an update of the performance of the portfolio to the period to March, the investment portfolio was up a couple of percent. You would have been aware that the board announced a dividend of one cent, um, you know, fully franked, the initial dividend, uh, and with companies, it takes, with the list of investment companies, it takes a little bit of time to build up the profit reserve, build up the franking, and also build up the dividend. Obviously, the directors um, and I'm sure shareholders would like the dividend to be a lot larger, uh, and I think that'll, well, I believe that'll um, that'll happen over time. It just takes a little bit of time to build up those um, various uh, parts. In terms of the, um, you know, where WAM strategics trading at the moment after it listed it traded at a premium for a period of time it 's now gone to a bit of a discount um, you know, i think on the official numbers it's at about a you six know, to eight percent discount um, and you know which is slightly disappointing from our perspective we 'd like it to be trading at nTA if not a premium and i'm pretty confident that that'll uh, it'll get there over time uh, in terms of the um, you know, what the Wham strategic values um, strategies. Obviously, it's to buy you know those a dollar of asset for eighty cents, um, and as many times as we can, and then you know, benefit from the performance of those underlying assets, but also you know the performance of that you know that discount you know so that you know that whatever the discount is um, being um, being reduced. Now, what I'd like to do is just pass you over to Marty. Um, who will give you just a, uh, give you a little bit of um, a flavour of a couple of things we're looking at at the moment? Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Jeff.
1: And thanks everybody for for joining us this afternoon. I just want to think of a, a quick update on the portfolio just from the the last webinar. So focusing on the quarter ending thirty one March. Obviously, during that period, we experienced heightened volatility in equity markets globally. Um, on the back of the economic fallout of of the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, and expectations of interest rate hikes by central banks globally. At points, the volatility was was extreme and and heightened throughout the LIC and LIT sector, as shareholders looked to reduce their exposure, which provided opportunities to accumulate key holdings, trading at discounts to net tangible assets for WAM strategic value. The share price discount to NTA expansion was most prevalent in LICs and LITs with a market capitalization of less than $200 million, so that third quartile of LICs and LITs, as investors sought uh, LICs and LITs with larger capital bases and higher liquidities as perceived safe havens for short-term investments. This was reflected by the growth in share price premium to NTA for AFIC, Argo, and also WAM Capital, which is is trading at a circa 30% premium at the moment. Key contributors for the quarter for the WAM Strategic Value Investment Portfolio included West Oz and Oz Oz Growth, along with L1 Long Short Fund. Looking at the the WIC and Oz Growth transaction, we touched on in the last webinar, but I just wanted to give WAM Strategic Value shareholders an update of of how that transaction is progressing. WAM Capital announced a scheme implementation agreement to merge with WIC and Osgrove, so the three entities would combine under a separate transaction. What the scheme provides for WAM strategic value is is the ability to exit its position in in West and Osgrove at a 7.5% premium to net assets. And we acquired these positions at a, 10.8% 10, 10.8% and 19.5% share price discount to NTA, respectively. Since the announcements, Wick and Ausgrowth shareholders have voted overwhelmingly in favour of the scheme, and that has subsequently been approved by the Supreme Court of Western Australia, and that will be implemented tomorrow, the 21st of April. Turning our attention to LSF, the L1 Long Short Fund has provided shareholders with a strong absolute returns on the investment portfolio during the March quarter, while also discounting, uh, sorry, narrowing the discount to its pre-tax NTA. The L1 Long Short Fund share price is currently benefiting from strong investment portfolio performance, an increase in its fully franked dividend, and strong alignment with founders Mark Landau and Raphael Lam continuing to reinvest in the Likara discount. WAM Strategic Value acquired its position in LSF at $2.55. And the company is currently trading a little below $3. When adjusted for the seven cents dividends received, the investment has returned 19.2% since inception for WAM Strategic Value shareholders. Jeff, I'll pass back over to you. Thanks. Thank you,
0: Thank you Matt. Thank you, Marty the uh that's great now look why don't we open it up yeah we said today was mainly q a um and really just to to talk to shareholders um and talk about any concerns they have Uh, so why don't we go to zoe um who's running the q a and she can direct them to marty yourself or myself thanks zoe
2: thanks jeff thanks mighty and thanks very much um, to everyone who sent in their questions um I'll just begin reading them out, and we'll try to get through as many as we can in the session. Um, Jeff, the first one is for you, and it's from Brenda. She asks, "Is WAM strategic WAM strategic values NTA is based on the share price of the individual LIC it holds, or the undervalued NTA of each holding?"
0: Yeah, it's a, that's that's an interesting question, and and when we did one of our um, webinars you know, a little while ago. We had the say a similar question asked, uh, and we actually announced in last month's NTA, and we said that we'd do that. Um, you know, w- yeah. You know, the well, actually, let, let me get back to answering the question. The answer of the question is, it's the NTA that you see, a Wham Strategic, is the share price of all its investments, and those share prices may be ten, you know. 10, 12, 15, 20% discounts to their NTA. What we did in the uh, last month's NTA, we actually showed you what the look-through NTA was. Um, now it's worthwhile remembering that Wham Strategic. Uh, we, we um, we've actually been building up our cash, um, and and at the moment where I think as of last night it was a little over 34% cash. So we're very well positioned. Yeah, you know, if, if any opportunities present themselves. You know, there, there is a, um, a a reasonable amount of, um, you know, concern about the equity market uh, at the moment, you know, with rising interest rates, um, you know, the impact that the inflation and interest rates will have on equity valuations. So we're, we're trying to be as, um, you know, as, as um, you know, conservatives as we can. Uh and you know and we you know, so we're sitting on a reasonable amount of cash. So therefore the cash is the cash, but the other part of the portfolio, if you ran that through at in at the those companies NTAs, I think it's about a dollar thirty-three or something like that. Um we, we announced it last month in the NTA.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um and we'll stay with you. And this one's from Robin. And she says, How are the profits reserves protected in a falling market?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the, a company's ability to pay a dividend, you need a combination of a profit, or, or a reserve of profit that you pay the dividend from. And if it needs to be fully franked, you either need, well, you need franking, and that's from dividends you receive or tax you pay. Um, in terms of the profit reserve, um, because I think there might, I think there's some other questions I saw about the profit reserve. So why don't we talk about that? It was 4.6 cents before we paid that one cent dividend. So the profit reserve is 3.6 cents uh and the and the um and after the franking there's about one point two cents in franking that we've got um so therefore another one cent dividend is uh, is well and truly you know, there obviously it depends you know what the profit reserve does um and you know how much franking we get in you know, to see what you know what we can do. In terms of dividends, and and what the directors like to do is they like to have a growing stream of fully frank dividends to shareholders. So, as I said in my introduction, it'll, it'll just take time to build up those profit reserves. Now, with the profit reserve, that's an accounting, um, uh, you know, that, that that's that's an accounting entry. So it did really it doesn't matter whether the market goes uh, well. If the market goes down, the profit reserve still stays. If, if if the portfolio goes down, the profit reserve still stays. If the portfolio goes up, you know, then depending on how much it goes up, then some of that can be put into the profit reserve. So effectively, you know, the positive movement in the portfolio over a 12-month period uh, tops up the profit reserve. So if the portfolio is up, you know, say, you know, next year it's up 10%, you know, then if it's up 10% after tax, yeah, you know, then that 10%, you know, the directors will, will have moved that 10% into the profit reserve.
2: Thanks, Jeff um, And, Marty, this next question is for you, for, for you. It's from Will. He asks, what are the top holdings in war and why do you believe they are attractive?
1: Thanks. Uh, and thanks for the question, Will. The, the, the top holdings for war um have been released in alphabetical order with the present slide on slide five i think of today's presentation so that's available from the asx website a list of the top holdings is also provided within the monthly investment updates released to the asx so if you're signed up to receive email communications from wilson asset management you'll receive the investment updates including our top holdings direct to your inbox um As discussed, obviously, our holdings in West Oz and Oz Growth feature there, they'll convert to WAM Capital shares under the scheme tomorrow. And WAM Strategic Value will look to exit its investment in WAM Capital at a premium to NTA over the coming weeks and months. So there'll be a bit of change to the the top, I think it's 15, 16 holdings over the next couple of weeks. and, And that'll be reflected in the next update that we provide to shareholders in early May as at the end of April.
2: Thanks, Marty, and staying with you on a similar topic. um, This question's from Brent, and he asks, does war still hold Magellan?
1: Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Um, Look, WAM Strategic Value doesn't hold Magellan Financial Group, which is MFG. MFG is the investment manager for a number of electricity products, Uh, and unlike the licks and lits managed by Magellan, MFG's business has been subject to pretty extreme media coverage, which has led to... Share price volatility. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for WAN strategic value, that that share price volatility and negative sentiment has flown through to the licks and and lits managed by Magellan. So, on the back of that, we've been able to acquire a holding in Magellan Global Fund, which is MGF, and MFF Capital Investments, which is MFF. Um, And previously, WAM Strategic Value had an investment in the Magellan High Conviction Fund. So maybe starting with Magellan High Conviction Fund. Following the the IPO of WAM Strategic Value, we began investing in MHH, which was the High Conviction Fund, at approximately a 12% share price discount to its underlying NTA. In August, MHH moved from a closed-ended listed investment trust structure to an exchange-traded fund. As a result, we were able to exit our position during the period um, at NTA, and that returned a a weighted average annualized return on our investment in excess of 110%. Looking at MGF and MFF, our current investments in the Magellan Group, we provided an opportunity in in WAN Strategic Value to acquire those assets at upwards of a 20% discount to pre-tax NTA. We've increased our holding in in MGF um, during February and March. Actually, we've increased our holding in both companies during February and March, um, as the discount widened in excess of twenty percent for both companies at periods. Um, yeah, so hopefully that gives you a bit of a flavour for that we're not invested in in Magellan Financial Group, but we've got investments in the underlying entities managed
2: by Magellan. Thanks, Marty. Um, and the next one is, again, for you, and it's from Nicola. And she says, what is Wilson Asset Management doing to narrow War's share price discount to its NTA?
1: Yeah, good question. And, and obviously, um, you know, for us, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for a listed investment company to trade at a discount in the initial months after listing. Given the strong IPO demand for, for WAM strategic value, and the subsequent scale-back that the the board um, went through because my expectations would have been that it traded at least in line with its NTA. And as Jeff said uh, in his introduction at the start, I think we're disappointed with where the share price is in relation to its NTA. However, given the volatility and the uncertainty globally, it's not surprising that shareholders are willing to part with a, a relatively new investment for them as they look to reduce equity market exposure. I guess one of the questions that we commonly get asked, and I'm sure there's a question in the chat already, is is will we do a buyback and does buyback help narrow that discount to NTA? Look, I guess the, the prospects of WAM Strategic Value doing a buyback, all capital management decisions are a decision for the board. So Jeff might want to jump in and, and, and add his views, but I'm happy to to share my thoughts on buybacks as, as I think I have previously. You know, a large part of the investment process for WAM strategic value is, is invested in listed investment companies trading at a discount where we think we can identify a catalyst to capture alpha and, and have that discount close over time. As, as a result, you know, with my over seven years with WAM, I've spent considerable time reviewing the LIC and LIT sector. And an attempt to derive a correlation between buybacks and narrowing of the discounts to see if they are, in fact, catalysts to narrow share price discounts. From my analysis, although buybacks provide shareholders with a short-term liquidity and and potentially short-term improvements, they haven't been sustained. Morningstar recently published an article in relation to buybacks and the Lick transformation, and I guess we've seen a lot of Lick's convert to ETFs and and, and trust structures. And pleasingly, or or pleasingly for me at least, they came to a very similar conclusion. Based on their analysis, and and I've got some of their numbers, nearly 25% of the LIC or the LIT sector are currently um, conducting buybacks, each with the same intention of reducing the discount to appease shareholders. But the impact has been muted with the medium discount changing within one percent uh, and a number of the cohort discount widening during the period of buyback. So for me, I guess what what will help with discounts, it's, it's that well-articulated and well-executed shareholder engagement um, policy. Because uh, what that provides, it not only stems the selling, but also assists in promoting buying and that aids in equalizing the share
0: price into balance,
1: Jeff. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that question?
0: No, that's like that's a fair point, Marty. And I, I know when we're, you know, I know it's been a couple of years since we've been on the road, you know, seeing shareholders, and oh, and actually, I put my hand up. I'm day four into COVID at the moment, so I've had two days <coughs> of two days of a sore throat, um, and I haven't had a headache or aches and pains yet. So. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, touch wood. Let's hope. Yeah, you know, let's let's hope. Um, you now that that's the end of it for me. Um, but yeah, I remember when we were on one of our uh, road shows and we we're asked the question about buybacks, and I said that I think I asked the question to the shareholders that were there um, and said, "Look, who thinks you know, buybacks? Who likes buybacks?" And I think something like um, eighty odd percent of them. You know put. You know, sorry. Who likes buybacks? And there was sort of ten or twenty percent put their hand up, and I said, "Who doesn't like buybacks?" And that was about eighty percent. And the interesting thing is, besides those you know, sort of logical, scientific things, you know, you, you've been dealing with the facts and the numbers there, Marty. Also, there's a psychological uh, part to it as well. I think, yeah, you know, people think, well, okay, if you're investing the money, then you know, yeah, if you're using your money to buy your own shares back, then does it mean you, know, you really can't find good investment opportunities that are going to make you a better return um, than that so I mean we could we, we could look at you know, I mean the board does talk about buybacks consistently and all all, all the WAM company boards do look at buybacks um, in ter- like and and historically we've done them like war you now we actually bought back uh, we did a 10 percent buyback three times and then a half a ten percent so we bought back 35 percent of the company did that help reducing the discount not not really so to me i'm not sure you know, how how yeah you know, like you like you said marty you know, to me the you know there's no proof that they they actually work and also people tend to like to be with a company that's growing and expanding and you know, not you know, not shrinking and sort of disappearing so um and as you said marty historically you, know, you look the facts and the numbers is the companies that have done the buybacks tend to, you know, they really don't narrow the discounts. All they do is shrink the size of the company. Uh, and, you know, sort of it's merely false economy, isn't it? That's something like that.
2: Thanks very much, Jeff and Marty. Um, that was a very comprehensive answer. and We have had a few questions on the buybacks already come through, so that was great. Um, Jeff, the next question is for you, and it's from um, Jeremy. He says... Could you discuss your outlook for Thorny Technologies, given the recent market rotation out of tech stocks?
0: Yeah, the I mean, when, when we we bought some um, into Thorny Technologies, it was when they were doing a placement at a discount, so it was a, a, a for us a nice opportunity. I mean, the, to me, the fascinating thing is both Thorny entities, uh, Thorny Opportunities Fund and Thorny Technologies. Yeah, you know, that that's Alex Waitlitz, um, you know, who. Um, you know, from the Thorny group um, who manage them, yeah, you know, both of them are trading at big discounts. You know, like you're at 25 to 30 percent discount. So there's exceptional there's exceptional value there. Um you know, obviously the technology, you know, Thorny's technologies is uh, is a very, you know, they tend to have concentrated bets, but that's why they can get some extremely good performance. Um, and both in in both companies. So yeah, in terms of sitting into the portfolio, uh, it's cheap. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. You know, you know, we may well buy some more around this discount, um, and we just we just need to be you know, clear on what their uh, goal is in terms of and what their plans are to get them to trade at NTA, if not a premium NTA. Um, and yeah, you know, that is uh, effectively. All LICs, I think all boards have feel the same pressure. So um, to me, it's really having a bit more confidence in that. And in terms of the size, you know, it's only a very small holding in our portfolio. So, you know, it, it gives us, you know, you, again, you're buying a dollar for 70 cents there. Um, but, you know, with the technology side, you're buying a high-risk dollar. With thorny opportunities, obviously, a little bit lower risk, but still on the high beta side, on the high risk side, because they do take very concentrated positions.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and staying with you, this next one's from Natalia. She says, what are the, some of the key factors that you think drive WAR's investment portfolio performance?
0: Well, the key factors probably is like all you know, fund managers, It's it's... Yeah, you know, buying the right stock at the right time at the right price. Um, and, you know, the, you know, as I mentioned at the start, you know, we're trying to buy a dollar of assets for 80 cents. We we can't always, and we, and we mainly focus on listed investment companies. You know, we have a, a broad mandate. We can go outside listed investment trusts and companies. Now, it's really buying those undervalued assets, but really it's, it's buying them when we believe we can see a catalyst is going to eventually move them to NTA if not a, a premium. Um, and, you know, like as Marty was saying, you know, the L1 example is a classic example where, you know, it was you know, float and LIC, good fund manager, float and LIC, had a bad performance, um, you know, a bad period where they performed exceptionally poorly. You know, the market, you know, the LIC went to a big discount yeah, you know, luckily, when we started war, they were still at quite a discount, so we could buy some. We were going to we we started building our position at a you know twenty odd percent discount, and we were happy to you know um, buy more. Um, but we just wanted to see them do a few things. Yeah, you know, fortunately, um, well, unfortunately, we didn't buy more. But fortunately, the you know they ha- they performed and they performed very well, and um, and now they're trading at well you know. 5 to 6% discount, and we're actually, we're trimming, we're letting a few go at the moment. Um, because from our perspective, I think it would have been, it probably makes sense. You know, they've finally got some really good numbers. It wouldn't surprise me if they came out and raised some money. So, well, yeah, that could create another opportunity for us.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and going back to Mighty now, this one's from Sam. Um, he says, what is WARS exposure to global equities versus Australian equities?
1: Thanks Zoe, and and thanks for the question, Sam. Uh, I guess on the back of feedback that we received during the last investment webinar, we're now including the sector exposure, um, so the the LIC classification, or LIC or LIT classification for each of WAM strategic values investments um, on a look through basis within the NTA. So I guess answering the question, WAN Strategic values got a little over 40%, so 40.2% at 31 March, exposure, exposure to global equity LICs and LITs. As I mentioned earlier, we've seen the discounts in the global LIC and LIT sector expand on the back of, of the global conflict and volatility, which has allow us, allowed us to invest in high-quality LICs and LITs at, at a significant discount to NTA. So that really is the sector... That the global lick sector is, is where we're seeing exceptional value at the moment um, so that's been a, a kind of happy hunting ground for us during february and march uh, and you know we'll, we'll work hopefully those those discounts narrow um as we get certainty on the global conf- conflict uh and if not with the cash balance that we've got as jeff mentioned earlier we're primed to to take further um advantage of opportunities as they arise
2: Thanks, Marty. Um, and another one for you. This one's from Jessica. Um, and she says, short selling is mentioned as a possible strategy in prospectus. How much has this actually been employed within, within WAR's investment strategy?
1: No worries. Thanks, Thanks for that. And, and I guess the, the simple answer to the question is, is it hasn't since inception. So we haven't used it yet. Obviously, as, as I think it was Jessica said, under the prospectus, WAM strategic value has the ability to short sell. And what that does, it provides the investment manager with the ability to either reduce risk by hedging out a position uh, or add value to shareholders because we think something's fundamentally, fundamentally overvalued should the opportunity arise. Um, given the, the difficulty with WAM strategic value is securing borrow in the LIC and LIT sector, it's very difficult to get borrow stock in order to short sell. Um, so I think it will be used sparingly within the WAM strategic value portfolio. A couple of instances where it could have been used maybe was the the Milton um, acquisition by Solpats. Obviously, through that, if you held Milton, you could have I imagine you could have got borrowing and Solpats, and, and you could have hedged out the risk, effectively um, locking in the, the profit from the the takeover when that was announced. Um, and MFF, I talked about the Magellan. Um, high concentrated fund earlier, um, MHH, sorry, the concentrated fund earlier, given that was a concentrated portfolio, if you had a significant hold in, you could have pretty easily hedged out the risk there, as you knew it was transitioning from a a close-ended LIT structure into that active ETF structure. So, they're the kind of examples when we'll use shorting, but as I said to date, it hasn't been used within the portfolio.
2: Thanks, Marty. Um, and Jeff, back to you, this one's from Sarah. She asks, how how the merger at management level between VGI Partners Global Investments and Regal Funds Management affects war?
0: First of all, i just just like to make an observation. And I, I really appreciate um, the women that have been asking the questions because to me, it's it's been, I, I, I think there's been more women questions than male questions, which is fantastic. And one of the interesting things is, you know, a lot of the research, and this is you know, coming from a male, a lot of the research shows that women are actually better are better investors than males. Um, and, you know, so, so it's, you know, look, thank, you for that, thank you for that question. Um, and back to the question was, it, with the merger of, you know, Regal and VGI, um, well, in terms of where, where war's positioned, um, it owns shares in... VG1 and VG8 uh, and had been buying them at various discounts, you know, 15s, 18s. Um, now, where are the view that they will get back to NTA? Now, it'll either be back to NTA because of uh, performance. Um, the We we did it's, uh, over the last six months own some shares in RF1, you know, the Regal LIC. Now, when they raise some capital, we put some money in, you know, Made some money and and, and we moved on, um, and I think putting the two companies together. Now I spoke to Phil King. I think the day at the day they announced it, uh, and Phil, this is from Regal, said obviously his goal is to get the NTA to trade at NTA if not a premium. Um, that's the VGI um, LICs to get them to trade at NTA if not a premium, uh, and he he was successful, you know with um, Regal, and, and you know take my hat off to him. You know, it is challenging, uh, particularly with your first LIC, to work out how to do it. Um, so yeah, so we're we're pretty positive.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, another question for you, and this one's from Richard. He says, "When do, when do you estimate the war share price will get back to and exceed the issue price?"
0: She's great question, Richard. I think, uh, maybe I think I'll ask for the question. <laughs> maybe less male <laughs> questions. No, no, good question. Um, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's very hard, you know, to, you know, that to make a prediction on that. It really, yeah, you know, it really, it's more, you know, what do I expect the market to do or the underlying assets to do? Um, in terms of, you know, if the market just stayed flat, you know, I, I would say, you know, as I said earlier, we're at a sort of six to eight percent discount. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it probably, a lot of the people that have, sort of as Marty was talking about, you know, in in various shakeouts, the people that own the shares will say, look, actually, oh, why did I buy them? You know, like it's it's really, it takes time. When people buy into a company, um, particularly when it first floats, sometimes they don't fully understand what the company's trying to do Um, and and their expectations mightn't align with what the company delivers. Uh, And that's when you get selling. And, and that's obviously the position we're in at the moment where, I mean, we've had feedback on the dividend, you know, so saying, look, why did you, why do you only pay a cent dividend? Uh, you know, I mentioned we had 4.6 cents in the uh, profit reserve. So that's what the board was looking at. The board wants to you know, give you a growing stream of fully frank dividends. So the board decided, let's start at one. It could have started at two. Uh, and then it could have, you know, uh, probably would have been fully frank the first one. And then the next dividend of $0.02 cents mightn't be fully franked and then there mightn't have been a dividend after that. So it's really about the longevity and the consistency. So even that dividend might have put pe- some people off, you know, so they'll sell out. Uh, and it really takes time for that. You know, for the share register to tighten up and the people that understand what you're doing you know, to sort of, oh, okay, I understand what they're doing. I like what they're doing. I think they do a good job and I'm happy to stay invested with them. You know, that happens, and then what happens there is your, your share register tightens up. And a classic example is um, WAM uh, research. Now, that, that, was the, that took us the longest of any LICs. It traded a premium soon after it listed, and then it went to a discount for, um, for seven years. And I mentioned we did a 35% buyback, which I don't think actually helped. And that was in the first um, you know, first four years. So we had another three years of discount, um, after the buyback. And now it trades at, you know, it, it's crazy, you know, the, the premium it's trading at, at you know, 50% plus premium eight, And that's because effectively everyone who's in there loves, you know, they understand why they're in there, they're very happy with it and they don't want to sell. So if someone wants to come and you know, wrestle a share off them, they don't pay what the company's worth, they pay 50% above you know, what the assets of the company is worth. So um, hey, it would be a, it would be a nice situation to have with war. Um, it, so I really don't know how long it'll take. It's just a it, it's it's it. we're going through a period of of that of tightening of the share register, um, and um, and that's why we've got had decided to have this additional webinar. Is you know, look there'll be more questions, more communication. People get a bit more comfortable with what we're doing. They understand what we're doing. Um, or they don't, and they sell. You know? So to me, you really want people that are coming with you for the ride, um, or they sell and move on. And then, then the quicker they do that, the quicker it'll uh, it'll move to NTA and then move to a premium.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and staying with dividends, uh, Malcolm asks, what do future dividends look like at war?
0: Future dividends we I mentioned that our profit reserve after the one cent dividend is 3.6 cents now that we probably won't put any more money in the profit reserve between now and june because we've got to get above our previous high water mark in a 12-month period so the profit reserve um, yeah, it really depends how we perform from july onwards um, yeah we, we do uh, yeah we, we sweep into the profit reserve on a monthly basis and um, and, and really, and you've got to get above your high watermark to sweep into the profit reserve each month over a 12-month period and it resets um, at the end of June um, or 1st July each year. So it you know, really depends how we perform in the you know, June to December half, um, you know, what we can put in that profit reserve. You know, at the moment, we you know, there's $0.3.6, cents, $0.1.2 cents fully franked. So you know, you'd be pretty confident on another one cent dividend, you know, much more than that. You know, it doesn't look as though there's a great deal more than that there. It just depends um, yeah, it really depends how we perform in the early months of the next financial year. yeah obviously the the plan will be to keep growing the dividends and and we'd like to have it a situation where we can pay you you know six or seven percent fully franked like that's uh, I mean what we've been able to do with, say wham. Uh, research, which I mentioned, is you know, in the early days, we were, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot tougher than war is in terms of, you know, trying to find enough franking or trying to find enough profit reserve to pay dividends. And it just took us a little bit of time. Uh, and now, you know, there's, you know, I think there's four or six years, um you know, profit reserve up our sleeve um, in, you know, wham research. And, that really and and paying out a decent uh, pretty decent yield so we'd like to do that and and the yields a combination of you know the the dividends we get from the companies we invest in um but also it's in the combination of you know it's the profit we make uh and and a lot of it comes from the profit we make
2: thanks jeff um and marty this one's for you it's from derek he says it's a two-part question he says can you please provide an update on wars cash holdings and does the level of cash represent a view that the overall market is overvalued or is it just a lack of opportunities to invest in discounted LICs and LITs?
1: All right, I'll, I'll try and cover both of those points. So I guess the, the, the first one's the, the easy one, Derek, the, the current cash holding, uh, again, on back of, of the feedback from the initial webinar um, early last month, the cash holdings is now included within the NTA on a monthly basis, the investment update. And the current cash holding or the cash holding as at 31 March was 36.8% within WAM strategic value. Whether that represents our views, I don't necessarily think that that represents our views on, on markets. You know we are active in a number of names at the moment, especially in that, that global sector um, as we're seeing opportunities arise. But what it does provide us with is, is dry powder, so that when there is opportunities and further, you know, further dislocation from here potentially, or or further rotation, we've got dry powder cash in on hand to to be dynamic and make investment opportunities. So I guess, you know, Jeff is and the team are staying very very firm in our investment process. We're not we're not going down the discounts to to equitize that cash. We're being very disciplined in that investment process. Uh, and we've got dry powder, as I said, to, to take opportunities when they do arise.
2: Thanks, Marty. Um, and we'll stay with you now. Um, this one's from Chi Quang. He says, is WAR or WAM actively looking for takeover targets following Path, WIC, and Ausgrowth?
1: Yeah, look, look, good question. And I guess for us, maybe starting with WAR, the the ability for a listed investment company to do a takeover is largely driven um, by its premium to NTA. So using WAM Capital for an example, as it's gone through the Wick and Oz growth transactions, you know at the time of the the, the scheme calculation, it, WAM Capital was trading in excess of a twenty five percent premium. So really. What we could do because of that premium is, is structure uh, a, a, a transaction that was mutually beneficial for WIC and Oz Growth shareholders and also WAM Capital shareholders. So we were able to give them the, the ability to exit their investment at a, a 7.5% premium to NTA. While WAM Capital shareholders were acquiring the, the, the assets within WIC and Oz Growth at a discount um, to their carrying value as a result of issuing capital at a, a significant premium. At the moment, WAM strategic value doesn't have the, the benefit of a premium, so it's, it's really limited in its ability to conduct takeovers at this point in time. That said, obviously, as I mentioned, WAM Capital is trading at about a 30% premium. I think Jeff mentioned intramonth WAM Research is trading at a you know close to 60% premium. So we do have two vehicles that are commanding a significant premium, uh, and we can use those premiums to to take over other listed investment companies should opportunities arise. So um, definitely something we're always looking for. Um, you know, it it's it, sometimes with path it was very dynamic and we moved quickly with it. You know, an opportunity arose and I think we put a bid in within a couple of days. Um, so we'll be we'll continue to be very dynamic in that space, but with the premiums that we have we we definitely have the ability to conduct more nta accretive transactions within um especially wam capital and wam research
2: thanks marty Thank um moving to jeff now um this is a question from peter he asks are you currently selling wam capital shares considering its premium to nta
0: no, good question peter the um the i i've i've actually I sold, I think I had 5 or $6 million in Wham Capital and I sold most of them years ago at a 15% premium to NTA when the government was changing the super rules. Um, I thought I thought I was pretty smart selling at a 15% premium and obviously it went to a higher one. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a, only small holdings over the last period um, and actually probably the best thing is if you look at last month's NTA, um, you know, the first... Um, yeah, you know, the introductory page which I write, in the last paragraph, I, I sort of tried to clearly articulate um, what could be, you know, uh, what may happen to the Wham, wham Capital. Um, and so after we announced it last, you know, before Easter, I thought, well, everyone's had a chance to digest it. Um, you know, I've got you know, a couple of hundred thousand shares left. Um, and I'll, I'll sell them, and it's it's really not necessarily the premium; it's the fact that um, the what we've noticed, as I mentioned in that the NTA, that there's been a lot of arbitrage of building positions in West Oz Aus and Ozgrowth, and I think we might be going into a similar situation of a mason you now, where just for a little period of time there's a bit of volatility in the WAM price, so. Um, I thought, hey, look, I'll take you know, a little bit off the table at a, uh, and then be positioned to buy them back, um, assuming yeah, you know, if, if the share price falls. And I think in the NTA, I said, look, there'll be buying, you know, there's selling and buying opportunities. And, um, yeah, and, and obviously what you'll see is you're never quite sure when we do these deals whether there's you know, how many arbitrage is going to turn up. Um, I'm just aware of a couple of overseas guys that have built positions in, West Oz, um, and they haven't built positions in West Oz because they want to be share, shareholders in Wham Capital. The, um, they have built a position in West Oz because they want to get the Wham Capital shares and sell them, you know, when they when they get them and and, and make that arbitrage, you know, the an arbitrage for the profit. Um, so that we actually the new shares get issued uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, you know, so the and and that's why I wanted to get the. Um, I wanted to get the you know, the, the director's notice out um, today you know so everyone uh, can see it um, and then when the new shares are issued tomorrow it'll be interesting to see you know what pressure they come under and and, and in the um, and then how quickly they bounce back and um, and when the when the Mason situation occurred you know, I actually thought the share price would go a bit lower I started buying them I think on the way down um, and then I actually thought it might have gone ten or fifteen cents lower, so I was sort of I was positioned to buy a lot more, a lot cheaper, a lot more cheaply. But it never occurred. Um, so yeah, it's always tricky. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me over the next little period if there's a bit of softness in Wham Capital you now because of those arbitrages selling out. Um, and that for the people that want a dividend, you know, this could provide an opportunity. And if you have a look at the last paragraph of you know, the the NTA we announced just before Easter. Now that that sort of really sums it up. What happened to a mason? How many cents it fell? How many cents it bounced back? And how long it took?
2: Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Mighty. This is a question from Martin. He says, "Are you cu- are you currently finding opportunities to add to the portfolio?"
1: Perfect. Thanks, um, Zoe. You know, and a question from Martin. It's not me asking myself questions. It's not a door for this stuff. Um, just on the, I guess on that, I think we've we've covered it already. But we we are seeing opportunities. There's you know, we've talked about the two Thornley vehicles. We've talked about the Magellan vehicles and and obviously both VGI vehicles. You know, there's there's opportunities there in the sector. And, and I think we've spoken about, you know, we've seen that opportunity coming in particular from the, the global sector. So we have been deploying capital. On the other side, though, the, there is LICs that have done a great job in narrowing the discount. And I know we've talked about LSF already. So, um, you know, that cash balance and, and, and that dry powder that we've talked about you know that is that is a changing position on a daily basis as we are nibbling away the opportunities that are sitting there, um, but also taking capital off the table for some of those investments that have um, reduced that discount or are now trading at a at a premium. So definitely opportunities out there, but but we're, we're well positioned to to take advantage of anything else as it does arise as well.
2: Thanks, Marty. Question for Jeff now. Um, this is from Graham. He asks, has war fulfilled its stated objectives outlined in the original prospectus? If not, when will the fund aim to fulfil those objectives?
0: Yeah, my, my view is, yeah, they are. They, they have fulfilled the objectives in the prospectus. And that's, you know, that would be, you know, for Wilson Asset Management to manage the money in a certain way, and that's exactly how we're managing the money. Um, and yeah, the interesting thing is, since I made that comment about it's mainly been you know, questions from women, I think it's all been questions from men <laughs> since. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so I, I think, you know, in, in theory, in the prospectus, we talk about what we're, what, how we plan on investing the money. And that's exactly how we're, what we're doing. We're investing it as we said we would.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and we'll stay with you. This one's from Brian. He asks, "What is your view on Penga Equities?"
0: On Pengana, yeah. Well, I mean, we we had it. We have a, and that's a, another one. You know, Marty mentioned. Um, well, Marty didn't mention, but yeah, you know, a question to Marty about what we've been buying and selling, and Marty mentioned you know, sort of four or five stocks we've been buying, uh, and yeah, you know, Pengana International. Yeah, you know, we actually have been selling that because it'd been trading you know, pretty close to NTA. It was actually trading at about after tax NTA and probably a three or four percent discount to pre tax NTA. Um, and you know, the interesting thing is more recently there's you know, there's just been a bit of rotation out of some of those companies. And you look at it now, it's I think the NTA's you know, dollar twenty six or something like that, and it's trading around it was when I looked yesterday a dollar eight. Yeah, you know, so it's trading about a 12% discount. So it's nearly back in our buying range. Um, yeah, you know, we think we think it's well managed. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the good thing about yeah, you know, if you spend all your time looking at yeah you know, the this sector, it does provide opportunities. Yeah, you, know, we, you, know, you you're, you're buying at a yeah. You know, obviously, I'd like to be buying you know, the Pingana International at like a 15% plus discount. And and when we look at it, obviously, you know, we weigh up: are we better off buying pengana at twelve, or are we better off buying uh, L one um, at a bigger at a bigger discount?
2: Thanks, Jeff. And we'll it move to Marty now. now. Someone's at
0: the door. But we, <laughs> we've still got time. We've still got eleven minutes.
2: Um, thanks, Jeff. We'll move to Marty. This question is from Graham. He says, "What proportion of WGB does Warhold and why?"
1: Yeah, noise. Uh, and thanks, Graham. So, so the position that, that War holds in, in WGB was a result of the scheme implementation with um, TGG. Um, so, we Wam Strategic Value had a position in TGG, and under the the scheme implementation between TGG and, and Wam Global, we received Wam Global shares and options. But obviously, the 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 desire for WAM Strategic Value is not to hold other Wilson Asset Management entities long term. Um, and, and that goes for future generation as well, FG, FGX, FGG. You know, we wouldn't look, look to hold those positions long term. But but at the moment, WGB is, is trading at a slight discount to its NTA uh, and, and slightly undervalued, I think, obviously, in, in, in terms of its NTA, um, but undervalued to where it should be trading. You know, WGB was trading at a, a premium to its NTA in advance of the transaction. And what we've seen with that transaction with, with TGG and WGB merging was, as Jeff said, arbitragers or long-term TGG shareholders who who don't have a, an affiliation with Wilson Asset Management or don't want to be a, a WAM global long-term shareholder are taking the opportunity to exit their investment at what would be a premium to the TGG share price. So we've seen increased turnover um, in, in that portfolio. It's it's about, the last time I calculated, it, it was about 8.4% of TGG shareholders had since sold their WAM global shares following the transaction. Uh, and that that resulted in a, a large increase in the volume um, over the last six months for WGB pleasingly, you know 92, 93 percent of shareholders still hold those WGB shareholders and and given the TGG register was relatively sleepy, we hope that they will be long-term WGB shareholders. So definitely think this is a short-term um, supply demand and balance within the WGB trading. And once that selling has washed through, I see no reason why it, WGB won't return to trading. At least at, a, at NTA, if not a premium to NTA, at that point, I'd imagine Wam Strategic Value would start to exit its investment in, in an orderly fashion. Uh, and as Jeff's a director of both companies, we'll be issuing three Y's as we're selling, so it will be very clear to the market when we are transacting in in that name within the WGB uh, within the Wam Strategic Value portfolio.
2: Thanks, Marty, um, and back to you, Jeff. Um, this is a question from Bruce. He asks, are you likely to offer a share purchase plan in the future?
0: Uh, Bruce, we possibly could, but we wouldn't do it until the share price is trading at a premium to NTA. So uh, NTA, at NTA at least, if not a premium. Uh, and it would be, yeah, if... Um, that's right, if the board decided that was you know, the the... Smart thing to do.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and staying with you, this is from Harvey. Um, he says, "Because War is trading at a discount to NTA, is it in danger of receiving a takeover bid?"
0: Well, it would be nice if it did, wouldn't it? The, I mean, it would be nice if it received a real takeover bid. You now, this with we had a situation with Wham Active that we you know, received a pretend takeover bid, which wasn't a real one. Um, yeah, well, it's always a risk. Yeah, you know, it's it's always a risk. Like, I, I doubt it, um, but it's a risk. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt it's a risk.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, we'll stay with you again. Um, this one's from Sterling. As a minority shareholder in many of the LICs, how can war influence the boards of the target companies?
0: Uh, we, we use a comment. We, we we try to use more a carrot. Um, approach, you know, like, as in a positive approach. You now we're very open with everyone in the LIC sector you know, and yourselves. You know, everyone in terms of what we think you need to do for a, a share price to trade at NTA, if not a premium. You now it's a lot of hard work. You know, you, you've you've met Zoe today, and you know, Zoe's one of as um, it you know I think close to ten people that work in our. Now, shareholder engagement, communication, marketing area. So that's that's a big financial commitment from Wilson Asset Management to you know, engage with their shareholders, and um, yeah. You know, so we're very open with what company, what mainly LICs, what we believe they need to do to achieve them trading at NTA, if not premiums. Um, yeah. So yeah, the uh, I think that's. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the the carrot part, uh, and then if the shareholder, sorry, if the company sort of doesn't do that, or it's more likely if, it doesn't really matter if the company doesn't do that, because then it probably goes to a bigger discount, so then we can buy a bigger position. Uh, and ideally for us, you know, we want them to go to the biggest discount possible, <laughs> Because we've got capital and you know, we've got cash and so we can keep buying and, and buy a bigger and bigger position. Uh, and then the bigger we are in, as a shareholder in the company, then then you sort of um you know the company then has to deal with you um eventually. And and, and we're very patient. Um and we really wait for the company to do something that's not in shareholders' interests or we believe isn't in shareholders' interests, and, and then we'll use the stick. Uh, and we're very happy to use the stick. Yeah, you know, we we don't want we prefer not to. We'd prefer to work with the company and help them get attention. Yeah, you know, we would like there to be more LICs and less LICs. Yeah. You know, I mean you say, oh well it's funny you say that, Jeff, because over the last year and a half, you know, your group's taken over eight or nine of them. Now that's you know, th- that wasn't that's happened because those eight or nine really had lost their way and you know, didn't know what to do or, or um, you know, had given up. Uh, and so we would, you know, we sort of helped facilitate them, um, you know, solving their problem. And that's what's happened with, you know, Wick and Osgrave as well.
2: Thanks, Jeff, um, And we'll stay with you again. And this one's from Hamish. He asks, how are the profit reserves stored? Are they kept in cash?
0: Um, no, they're not. Hamish, the, the, the profit reserve is an, it's an account, it's an accounting. Um, you know, it's effectively in the balance sheet. Yeah, you know, the the portfolio say, you know, say it's a hundred million dollar portfolio, and they might say there's a ten million dollar profit reserve. That hundred million dollar portfolio can be invested in the market. Yeah, you, know, you don't have the ten million doesn't have to be put aside um, for the profit reserve. Your hundred million is your investment portfolio. So you just have a profit reserve of 10 million, which allows you um, to pay it. You know, from the tax office uh, and, um, you know, and and the Corpse Act. Yeah, you know, you, a you have to have a profit to pay a dividend. Um, yeah, you know, and B that profit has to be has to be booked. Um, I think that's the you know the words the tax office used in one of their rulings. Uh, so that's booked as in you. Um, yeah, you know, the board decides to put that profit into a. Um, profit reserve, um, or to be paid out as, and then to be paid out as a dividend.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and another one for you: Given it's been only twelve months since Wars listing, do you consider the profit reserve and the overall portfolio to be in line with internal forecasts? Has the market volatility provided more or less opportunities than you originally thought?
0: I would like would have liked the profit reserve to be a lot bigger. You know the the um, the yeah, the market's performance hasn't been as as um, yeah, has has been as you, as you quite rightly pointed out very volatile. The, the volatility has provided opportunities. Um, yeah, um, has provided opportunities. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, you know, how how we make money is the closing of the discount, but also you've got to remember yeah you know, at the moment we're sort of seventy five percent invested and that's invested in equities. so if the discount stays the same and the equity market falls then our portfolio falls. so you know we we yeah you know, we get we've got significant exposure to the market and that's why we're happy to keep a little bit of powder dry um, you know, a for opportunities but also with a market that's yeah, you know, the the that there the could be some reasonable headwinds with uh higher interest rates, etc. Thanks,
2: so, yeah. Jeff.
0: Yeah, so the, I, I know I don't didn't really answer it. Uh, like it would have been nice for the you know for the discounts to be narrowed to zero. Yeah, uh, so yeah, in theory, if the discounts narrowed to zero now, the NTA would be a dollar thirty-three. Uh and it would be nice if then the market was up another fifteen percent. So then yeah, you're talking about a dollar fifty plus. That's 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 what the assets would be worth, and then our profit reserve would be twenty five cents, and then we'd be talking about, um, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about one cent dividends. We'd be talking about, oh, are we paying two or three cents for an interim dividend or you know, a final dividend? So that we that would be, we would have preferred that scenario, but you know, sometimes it just takes, you know, these things take a little bit of time.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and this next one's from Martin. He says, "What do you think is the impact of a change in federal government on the equity market?"
0: Well, it's interesting. Is ask that question because I just got a call from um, uh, uh, yesterday from an AFR journalist uh, taking me through the Greens' proposal on uh, on bringing in the super tax um to to corporate Australia for companies that make more than a hundred million dollars and uh, i I think I just sent him back a quote earlier that um I think it would put you know it would put Australia into the backwater <laughs> of, of the corporate world or something like that if that happened but you know, obviously the greens aren't going to win um the yeah the, i mean it's interesting there's been you know, I've lucky enough to have had a uh, meeting with Jane Hume about superannuation. Obviously, you know, we've got 120,000 shareholders amongst all our um, all our listed investment companies and we think about 60 to 65% of them are, are superannuation uh, investors. So superannuation is, in, is important. Um, I'm trying to organise a meeting at the moment with the Labor uh, superannuation shadow minister um, because I just want to put to both of them you know, that that there's going to be no you know, understand what they're talking about and whether there's going to be um any changes and what you know, so far you know, the liberals have said there's no changes um and I just haven't had the opportunity to ask that question to labour you know what i don't want is a a sort of a retirement tax by stealth um obviously they've you know knocked out you know the franking um which was a a major concern for us um yeah, the last election. Um, yeah, so I mean, if 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 Labour gets in, yeah, there could yeah I just there could be some things on the super side. Like there is there has been talk that what they're going to do. You know, how with superannuation, you can not pay for a period of time, and then you can make catch up payments. I think over a five year period, uh, and 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 the sector that really benefits from that is um, women. You know, if they're work, working, they leave work for a couple of years or a few years to have a, have children, then they want to come back to work. Um, you know, then, of course, they're down in superannuation. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the situation would be, you know, depending on what Labor says, you know, there's talk that Labor will do something there, so that'll be disadvantaged to women. Now, I'm I'm disappointed that uh the liberal government didn't um you know, pay the penalty rate sorry pay superannuation on uh, maternity leave yeah you know, we do that we've always done that to me it's just a logical thing to do um yeah so a few people thought with the last election we were you know we weren't neutral yeah you know, we we are you know we're happy to our focus is to make a difference make a difference for our shareholders and the people that support us um and we're happy to hold the liberals to account or labor to account it doesn't really matter to us um in terms of the election you know, i think whether labor wins or liberal wins i don't think there'll be a great i don't think there'll be a great change the the risk obviously i'd assume if labor wins then there'll be more taxes um you know then You'd assume you assume they won't be as. You know, I know the Albanese is claiming to be sort of the combination of Howard and Hawke. You know, I can't see, you know, with his background, you know, he's a you know, you know, he's on the on the left um, of politics. How there won't be some sort of significant taxes, um, you know, which, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what impact that'll have.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, And we'll move to Marty now. This is a question from Graham. Does the investor pay double fees firstly from the funds it invests in and secondly from war?
1: Yeah, thanks, um, Zoe, and thanks for the question. Uh, I guess in short, and to answer the question, it does. Um, With the exception of the investment that we have in WAM Global, and the investment we're short to have in WAM Capital. Where we have an investment in another Wilson Asset Management entity, WAM Strategic Value will not charge investors a management fee on that investment. So where I guess the WAM Strategic Value Management fee is reduced by that exposure to other Wilson Asset Management group entities. Uh, On the other investments, there is a layer of of fee-on-fees, but I guess from a an NTA of one strategic value or a performance. You know, we are value and I think as we've said through the webinar, investments on share price. That share price is, is somewhat correlated to the NTA of each of the other underlying investment companies. And that NTA includes a management and, and, and if applicable performance via crew for each of those entities. So I guess we're judged on our performance based on on the the LICs that we're invested in and their ability to perform and close that discount, and that is all net of fees. So, um, yes, but but no, uh, I guess is the answer.
2: Thanks, Marty. Um, and back to you, Jeff. This, quest- this is a question from Denise. She asks, "Do you expect inflation to have a negative effect
0: on war's investments?" Um, yeah, if if inflation. Continues to uh, rise, and that pushes interest rates up. Then it'll have a negative impact on global equity, uh, yeah, on equity markets everywhere. Now, the the biggest risk for equity markets is PE contraction from higher interest rates. That's what I see. Um, yeah. So yes, it would. And then the, the big, the the sort of the argument is, how much is already factored in by the market? You know the the, I mean, there's talk in Australia, I think over the next year and a half, there's going to be seven interest rate rises. Now, so if that's what everyone's talking about, that's what the market's already expecting. So effectively, inflation or interest rate rises have to be greater than that. And then the market acts, reacts negatively. That's that's always the tricky part um, about equity markets, because we we never quite know what's factored in and what isn't factored in. That's the hard part.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and this one's from Matthew. He asks, what do you see are the greatest risks to war shareholders in the next year or so?
0: Yeah, I think the greatest risk is that, is the overall market. And that's why, you know, we're sitting on a reasonable amount of dry powder in war. Now, we've got, uh, um, almost 34-odd percent in cash, so, yeah, you know, we're yeah you know, the equity side might you know come under a bit of pressure, but yeah, you know, we're we're well positioned. Uh, and, and really, what it's all about is you know, we know the equity market goes up and down, and and we've all seen that over time. Um, and it's really it's not you know, the fact that we all know it's going to go down at some point. It's how quickly you make the money back. Um, and yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's really the focus, and it's really yeah you know, the skill of the manager to do that.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and this one's from John. He asks, "What are your thoughts on HM One, and do you see any opportunities in HM One?"
0: Geez, I mean, how how cheap is HM One? I know I, I was looking at it yesterday. The, the tough thing is, I, I'm on the board there. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's. Um, and I know we we're talking about earlier me selling some Wham Capital and I think I also lodged, I bought some FGX today and I'm I'm just, for the Wilson Foundation, I've probably be buying that for a little while. Um, and, and HM1, I think, is trading at about a 14% discount. It's probably, it's close to the biggest discount it's traded at, I think, since it floated. So there's there's definitely value there. Yeah, in terms of would we buy it? It just—it's just—it's probably out of our. Um, it's it's a bit tricky. You know, me being on the board there, um, and we normally buy with the expectation that the worst case is we can give the board a bit of a, a bit of curry, and I, I think it would just be a bit. Uh, I think it's it's probably out of bounds. It's <laughs> sort of like the future gen yeah you know, fTx and FGG, the two future gen entities that where you we know, we set up they're probably out of bounds for war as well but yeah h m one looks cheap looks cheap i mean they've had a tough period yeah you know, they have in terms of performance it's a concentrated portfolio uh, and and of course it's a high beta concentrator portfolio and you know, and it's it's performed poorly over the last twelve months but it performed exceptionally well before that uh and so th- th- that that happens and um yeah and and you'll want to buy these at discounts when they've been performing poorly. That's when you want to buy them. So no, good good pickup.
2: Thanks, Jeff. um and the next one's for you again. It's from Stephen. He asks, with the upcoming anticipated Wham capital share price weakness, will wall <laughs> be looking to buy in?
0: You know no war won't. no, I'll just buy back the shares I sold. <laughs> I might buy a few more. It depends how how low it goes, who knows Yeah.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Um, and we are um, actually over time, so there is just one last question come through, and it's from Marty. Um, and it says it's from this question is from Jenny, and she asks: Carlton Investments appears to be an outlier in terms of discount versus size of the LIC. Is this due to large shareholdings in event, in, shareholding in event, or board shareholder structure?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's it's a good question, and I think the answer. Is multifactorial. I think it's all of those that, that you've mentioned. You know, it's it does have a, a concentrated position in event. I think its last reported was 21 22% is holding an event. Um, uh, you know, speaking with our domestic small mid-cap investment team, we're very positive on the the medium-term outlook for events. So it's not a company that we have uh, an, an issue with. We're very positive on the outlook there at the group level, um, but the shareholder composition of Carlton is structured in a way that, that there just isn't that demand uh, or that liquidity. I know it's a larger LIC, but it does have lower liquidity. Um, it's one that we're invested in. You know, it's 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 one. You know, going back to the earlier question on on shorting uh, and the ability to short, it's one where you could you know you could short out the exposure to event. That 20 percent and almost get a free kick on the rest of the portfolio um if there was a, a catalyst to to get it to trade at nta so it's, it's an interesting one um it's, it's one that we've done a bit of work on but there are, there's a few moving parts there and i think you'd want to see a bit of clarity on on the outlook for it before you went you went at a big way at it i think
2: thanks Marty and thanks for all the questions uh, I'll pass back to Jeff for some closing remarks
0: Oh look hey thank you everyone and and we're very happy going over time because uh, as you know, we've said it is your company and um, and hey some great questions you know, thank you very much um, Zoe look thanks for you know, delivering them perfectly to us um, and Marty uh, you know thanks for all the effort. Um, you've been doing in terms of the analysis work, et cetera, and and, uh, here on the webinar. Um, And and also, shareholders, thank you for your support. Anyone who has any additional questions, uh, who didn't end up sending them in, please email through um, on any of our communication and we'll get back to you. Um, you We look forward to performing on your behalf. I'm a Sizeable shareholder, I'm sure, like you all are, uh, and yeah, you know, let's hope um, you know, that we can get some you know, good performance and some good dividends, and at trading at a, uh, a nice premium to NTA over time. Thank you.